Hey, good morning, guys. It's Pastor Randy here with Made Free Church. Um, man, I love that intro. Thank you, Adam. You, you're, you're awesome, man. That's uh, never had an intro like that, and it's just cool to have one, you know. So, hope you guys are. Um, hope you guys are having a great morning. Um, I know I am. I know that God is um, doing some amazing work here at Made Free and and stuff like that. So. Guys, we're going to be, uh, it's, we're going to still be in Romans chapter one and we're going to be in verses 18 through 23, but actually it's going to be really 19 through 23, but I want to step it up a little bit and get to, um, you know, 18. So, um, you know, and just to, just an announcement before we get started, guys, if you guys need prayer, please go to madefreechurch.org. We have a whole intercessory prayer team that's set up that will pray over your, uh, your, your prayer request every week and, and their faithful prayer, you know what I mean? And they don't get paid for it, but they pray over your prayer requests every week. So you go to madefreechurch.org. There's a prayer request tab. So let's get into this, man. Open up your Bibles and your word to uh, Romans chapter one, verses 18 through 23. Let's get into prayer. Heavenly father, we just come before you. We just want to say thank you for your word and thank you for this time, Lord. Get me out of the way and let your word go through, Heavenly Father. We love you, we worship you, and we praise your holy, holy name. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to be going through pretty much the whole book of Romans. So buckle up. This is going to be a long, long, long study. But there's so much meat in Romans, and there's so much, you know what I mean, that I want to, I want to touch on just about as much as I can. So... um. You know, so just sit back, relax, and uh, enjoy, right? <laughs> All right, so, uh, yeah, let's get into this, man. Let me turn on some music. Turn on Mr. Snodgrass. Here we go. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. All right, let's get into it. So, you know, we're going to continue our study in Romans uh, chapter 1, verses 18 through 23, about the wrath of God. Now, Monday, you know, we were in Romans 1, 18, and we, we noted several features about the wrath of God. And today, I want to be in Romans uh, 19 through 23, and we're going to be going through several reasons for the wrath of God. So let's, let's read this. But I'm going to, I want to start at 18 and then go on to 23, all right? So it says this. Now, for the reason for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against the ungodliness and the unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like a corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. So there is a, a, a quote that's been uh, by several, you know, Department of Evangelism and some 
denominations in America. And it says, we don't need to evangelize the people of the world who have never heard the message of salvation. We only need to announce to them that they are already saved. So leaders like that reflects a rising tide of universalism, right? And the belief that because God is too loving and gracious to send anyone to hell and everyone will ultimately get to heaven. And if that were true, obviously, uh, would be no place for warning sinners of the approaching day of wrath and, and the proclamation of the gospel. But Paul, the apostle Paul is determined for us to know that before we can understand the good news of the gospel, we must first understand the bad news of the gospel. And before we understand the grace of God, we must understand the wrath of God. And before <clears throat> we understand the meaning of the death of Christ, we first must understand why our sin made that death so necessary. And before we can understand how loving, merciful, and gracious God is, we must understand how rebellious, sinful, and guilty we are. Right? So, you know, tragically, th there are many evangelicals who have come to this, to come to soft pedal the theme of God's wrath and judgment and hell. Even so, uh, as much as to minimize the mention of hell because uh, it has been uh, quietly removed from today's preaching, right? And the wrath or anger of God, and when it's mentioned at all, it's frequently depersonalized as if somehow it's all going to work out automatically uh, by some uh, uh, operation in which God himself or ourselves are not directly involved. Many people are inclined to wonder if we really deserve such a harsh fate. And no person asks to be born. You know what I mean? No person is asked to be born. So so why then, say many, should should a person who would had nothing to do with his own birth spend eternity in hell for being sinful? The question is, why is everyone born under the wrath of God? deserves huge attention. It is a question that the Apostle Paul answers in Romans chapter 1, verse 19 through 23, where he explains why God is justified in his wrath against all people. In Romans chapter 1, verses 19, uh, through, uh, 19 through 23, Paul gives reasons why Romans and every person are born except the Lord Jesus Christ uh, fully deserves the wrath of God. And these reasons are identified as man's rejections, man's rationalization, and man's religion. So first, why is God justify, justified uh, in his wrath against sinners is because of man's rejection of God's revelation of himself to all mankind. The Jews enjoyed special revelation from God in the land that had given them in the scriptures but all people have rejected god's natural revelation of himself in creation and in, in, in providence paul points is paul's point is all people are rightly and deservedly under the wrath of god since we since what may be known about god is plain to them because 
God has made it plain to them, right? And all people have evidence of God and they're in their, and what their physical senses can perceive of him, their inner senses can understand to some extent. All people knowing something of the reality of the truth of God, we're all responsible for the proper response to the revelation of God. And any wrong response is inexcusable. You know, a disease left Helen Keller blind and deaf at a very, uh, when she was a very young girl. Her family hired Ann Sullivan to take care of Helen. And through Ann's tirelessness and selfless efforts, Helen finally learned how to communicate through touch and even learned to talk a little bit. When Ann first told Helen, Helen about God, the girl's response that she already knew about him but she did not know his name. See, Helen Keller illustrates that all people know something about God, but also that no one knows him savingly apart from the further revelation of Jesus Christ. Nevertheless, God has given enough revelation about himself that no one will ever be able to say when they stand before God, God, I had no clue you even existed. But what is it that God has revealed himself to us? You know, Paul tells us since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities have been clearly seen in chapter 1, verse 20. The particular invisible qualities that perceive in part through natural senses of God's eternal power into his divine nature. God's eternal power refers to his never failing omnipotence, which is reflected in the awesome creation, which the power of both brought into beings and it sustains, right? God's divine nature refers to his character and attributes, especially to his communable attributes. Noted uh, Presbyterian theologian, Charles Hodge said, God, he quoted this, God, therefore, has never left himself without witness. His existence and perfections have been so manifested that is, his rational creatures are bound to the knowledge and worship him as the true and only God. God's natural revelation of himself is not obscure or selective, observable only by a few you unusually perspective individuals who are specifically gifted, right? God's revelation of himself through creation can be clearly seen by all being understood from what has been made in ancient times, long before the telescope and microscope were invented, the greatness of God was evident in both in the vastness and the tiny intricacies of, of create, excuse me, of creation. People could not look at the stars and discover the fixed order of, of their orbits. They could observe small seed reproduce itself into a giant tree uh, exactly like the one from which it came, right? They could see the wonderful cycles of the season, the rain, the snow. They witnessed the marvel of human birth and the beauty of the sunrise and sunset so that the psalmist cried out in Psalms 19.1, the heavens declare your glory of God. The skies proclaim the works of your hands. 
We have, we live in an incredible world that has been wonderfully designed and marvelously created by God. When the last tubes of the Lincoln Tunnel under the Hudson River uh, for Pennsylvania Railroad were about to be joined in 1927, a young civil engineer named Richardson was chosen for the task because of his remarkable ability to make an accurate survey that would bring the tubes ends perfectly together. So accurate was his work that when the tubes were joined uh, at the two ends, they were less than one eighth of, uh, of an inch off center. But God, but with God, accuracy is so complete with the planets. For example, you could travel a few thousand feet of length of a tunnel through the universe is so vast, it's almost beyond human comprehension. And such at such a speed virtually defies description. For example, consider the fact that the earth is 25,000 miles in circumference, weighs six septillion, 588 sextillion tons, and it hangs unsupported in space. And it spins 1,000 miles per hour with an absolute precision and flies through space around the sun at the speed of 1,000 miles per minute in the exact orbit 50, 580 million miles long. Now, except to a mind willfully close to the obvious, it is inconceivable that such accuracy, intricacy, and harmony could have developed by any means but that a divine designer who rules the universe. It would be far more reasonable to think that the separate pieces of a watch being shaken in a bag would eventually become a dependable timepiece and to think that the world could have evolved into the present state by blind chance. Henry Ward Breacher, a pre-Civil War congressional minister, <laughs> possessed a beautiful globe depicting the various constellations and stars of heaven. Robert Ingersoll, the famous controversial agnostic, visiting Breacher one day, admired the globe and asked who made it. Who made it, said Breacher, seizing the opportunity to challenge his guest, well-known uh, agnosticism. Why nobody made it, it just happened. Breacher was implying that the globe was clearly designed and made by someone or so also our world is designed and made by God. And God reveals, God has revealed himself clearly to all people through his creation so that men are without excuse when they find themselves under the wrath of God. See, Paul says in, in, in verse 21 that although they knew God through his natural generational revelation, people still rejected him. And although men and women are innately conscious of God's eternal power and divine nature, they are just as innately inclined to reject that knowledge. Donald Gray Barhouse, former pastor of Temple uh, Presbyterian Church, made this uh, uh, powerful statement. Will God give man brains to see the things and will man then fail to exercise his will that, uh, toward that God? The sorrowful answer is that both these things are true. 
God will give a man brains to smelt iron and to make a hammer heads and nails. God will grow a tree and give man strength to cut it down and brains to fashion a hammer to handle uh, handle for uh, from its wood. And when a man has a hammer and nails, God will put out his hand and let man drive nails through it and place him on a cross in this supreme demonstration that men are without excuse. Good morning, Fernando. Glad that you're here, my brother. Fernando from, uh, uh, he's in Bakersfield on YouTube. Amen. It's good to see you here, brother. Right? So in verse 21, Paul mentions four ways in which people can demonstrate their re rejection of God. And let me mention them briefly. First, people reject God by not glorifying him as God. Paul says that neither they glorified him as God in verse 21a, God alone is to be glorified. The Westminster Shorter Catechism declares the chief end of all man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever, right? Man was, was created to glorify God and for man to fail to give God glory is therefore the ultimate affront to his glory. And after we were created in God's own image, Adam and Eve continually experienced God's presence and glory. They communed directly with him and they praised him for and acknowledged his glory. But they sinned by disobeying God's command and sought to gain glory for themselves. Sin brought separation from God and Adam and Eve no longer sought God's presence or yearned to bring him glory. And ever since that time, fallen man has sought to avoid God and deny his glory. Instead, man seeks to glorify himself. And that's true. You see it daily. It's it's the church movement today is the me. Look at me. Look at me. Look how many people are in my church. And when it's and, and not preaching the full counsel of God like we do here. Right. So second, people reject God by not giving thanks to God. Right. So Paul says that neither glorify him as God nor give thanks to him, although God is. Uh, is a is the very source of every good thing that we possess rain sun food we fail to thank God because we do not want to glorify him or even acknowledge his existence third as a consequence for not glorifying God or giving things to him people think thinking thinking became futile man's thinking about spiritual matters matters is futile and it's useless and it's pointless Right? Finally, people's rejection of God is seen in the fact that their foolish hearts were darkened. The foolish hearts, and this isn't uh, the last part of, of verse 21. The foolish hearts that rejects and dishonors God does not become enlightened and freed, as some claim, right? But rather becomes spiritually darkened and further enslaved to sin. The person who forsakes God forsakes truth. And so God's wrath is rightly upon those who reject him. God's wrath is upon those who reject the, his revelation of himself to them. Second reason why God is justified in his wrath against sinners is because of man's rationalizations. In rejecting God's clear revelation of himself through his creation, people fail to glorify and give him thanks become futile in their thinking and spiritually foolish and darken their hearts 
trying to justify themselves, they rationalize their sins, just as fallen man still does today. Although they claim to be wise about God, about the universe, about themselves, they become fools instead. Centuries earlier, King David declared that men who deny God and his truths are in fact fools. You know, that's Psalm 14.1 and 53.1. And it's, and, and it's in that very foolishness that deludes them into thinking they are wise. Evangelist uh, D.L. Moody was conducting uh, evangelistic meetings and he frequently faced hecklers who were strongly disagreed with him. In the final service of one campaign, an usher handed the famous preacher a note and entered the auditorium. It was actually from an atheist who had been giving Mr. Moody a great big deal of trouble. The evangelist, however, thought that it was an announcement. So he quiet he quieted the, the large audience to prepare to read it. In opening and the unfolded paper, he found scrawled in a large print only one word, fool. The colorful preacher was equal to the occasion. Moody said, I have been handed a memo which contains a single word, fool. This is most unusual. I've often heard of those who have written letters and forgotten to sign their names, but this is the first time I've ever heard anyone who signed his name and then forgot to write a letter. Taking advantage of a unique situation, Moody prompted to change his sermon text to Psalm 14.1. It says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Friends, there is a God and he is revealed to his creation and also in his word. Anyone who claims to be wise by insisting that there is no God is in fact a fool and is rightly under the wrath of God. Third reason why uh, is why God is justified in his wrath against sinner is because of man's religion. By nature, man is by nature a religious being. We know that because of what God's word tells us. But we can also see that emphatically. As far as I know, every culture in the world has some form of religion. Paul tells us that in spite of God's revelation of himself in creation, men and women who have exchanged the glory for the mortal God for images made to look like mortal man, birds, animals, and, and reptiles and creepy things, there is a moral rebellion against their creator. Men and women reject the Holy Creator for an unholy creation. But God scathingly mocks those who, who exchange the glory of an immortal God for images made to look like mortal man's birds, you know, animals, reptiles, and stuff like that. Isaiah 44, 14 through 7 says this. He cut down the cedars and perhaps took a cypress or oak. He let it grow among the trees of, of, of the forest for the planted pine and the rain made it grow. This man's fuel for burning, some of it he takes and warms himself. He kindles a fire and bakes bread. He also fashions a God and worships it. 
He makes an idol and bows down to it. Half of wood, half of the wood he burns in the fire. Over it he prepares his meal. He roasts his meat and eats his fill. He also warms himself, says, Ah, I am warm. I see the fire. For the rest, he makes a god, his idol, and he bows down to it and he worships it. He prays to it and says, Save me. You are my God. Lest we think that we are risen above such crude idolatry, we only have to consider our own idols. Remember, an idol is anything or anyone we hold in supreme place in our system of values. Our idols are, it could be sex, it could be work, workaholism, it could be power, prestige, perfectionism, sports, education, entertainment, celebrity, success, materialism, beauty, image, the, and the list can go on and on. Many years ago, J.H. Uh, Clinch wrote these really provocative lines. And, it, and I'm going to quote it. It says, And still from him we turn away and fill our hearts with worthless things. A fire of greed melts the clay and forth the idol springs. Ambitions, uh, ambitions flame, passions heat, and the wonderful alchemy transmute earth's dross to raise a gilded brute of Jehovah's seat. Yeah, okay, a gang, yeah, you know, Fernando asked, uh, can, could a gang be a religion for our culture? Absolutely. Absolutely it can. Um, you know, uh, uh, I, you know, one, one day, man, I'll give you a ring and I'll tell you my testimony and, and, and we'll, we can go from there, man. But yeah, a gang can be a religion I mean, because anything that you put over God, it, it's, it's idolatry. So yeah, gang can be a religion, man. So good, good, good question, man. So by nature, we are religious beings, right? We must worship someone or something. And if we don't, if we do not worship the true God, we rightly deserve to fall under the under his wrath. Now, let us not create idols to take the place of God in our lives. Let's cast off our idols and worship God alone. God's wrath is so is rightly on sinful men and women who though have God's revelation of himself in creation, nevertheless reject him, the rationalize their rejection and create their own religion. May 1984, National Geographic showed uh, through colored photos and drawings of swift and terrible destructions that wiped out the Roman cities of Pompeii in, in, in 79 AD, right? The explosion of Mount uh, Vinvivis, right, was so sudden that all the residents were killed while, you know, their routine men and women were at the market and rich luxury in their baths and, you know, the slaves at toil. They died amid of volcanic ash and superheated gases. Even the family pets suffered that same quick and final fate. The saddest part is that the people did not have to die. Scientists confirm that ancient Rome writers uh, record weeks of rumblings and shakings preceded the actual explosion. Even an, an anonymous plume of smoke was clearly visible from the mountain days before the eruption. 
If only they had been able to read and to respond to this volcano's warning. There are similar runnings, uh, rumblings spiritually today. Murder, hatred, sexual immorality, divorce, greed, bitterness, envy, jealousy, false teaching, false teacher, prosperity, right? And all these things point to a day of judgment in Matthew 24. People need not to be caught unprepared. God warns and provides as an escape to those who will heed those rumblings. You know, the other day I said that people are either recipients of God's wrath or recipients of God's grace. We escape the wrath of God by trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ who bore the wrath of God in our place. And when we trust in Jesus alone, we are the recipients of God's grace, right? And not recipients of the wrath of God. Are you today a recipient of, of, of the wrath of God or are you recipients of the grace of God? That's a question you need to ask yourself. And if you are a recipient of, of, of God's wrath, you, you need to pray for salvation. You, you need to accept him in your life and you need to start walking in a transformed life. You need to be discipled. You need to be doing stuff like that, right? You know, and, and that's just it. You, you need to be doing stuff that are going to push you towards the cross of Christ and towards that salvation. You know what I mean? So, and that's, that's a very, 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 very hard. So that's very hard to swallow when you're in the midst of drug addiction, alcoholism, you know, uh, all this stuff that, that we do gangs, you know, it's hard to, to get, but there's a process and God, if you're truly his, which I believe, uh, most of you guys are, most, I mean, I mean that he, Christ died for the whole world, you know, John three sixteen, right? But if you're truly his, you know, he'll always bring you into that saving knowledge. He'll always bring you where he wants you. Amen. All right. So, um, just a couple more announcements before we go, right? Guys, we have, we're seeking, uh, pastors, evangelists, ministers, preachers, for our new website, it's called PreachCore. You can check us out at PreachCore.org. Um, you know, we'll showcase everything on our website and stuff like that. And then eventually we're going to start doing PreachCore as, you know, getting different pastors together and actually talking about career events and stuff like that. We're going to restart doing Let's Talk as well with 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 Aaron and, and Richard. We're going to start doing that again. Um, so uh, that's going to be good. So, uh, just so, so check it, check us out. It's preachcore.org. You know what I mean? Um, guys, if you guys would like to support Made Free Church in any way, shape, or form, there's three ways you can give. You can give through our cash app. Uh, you can give through our, uh, um, our, our PayPal link, or you can send a check or money order to the address that's provided on the website at madefreechurch.org. We are a 501c3, so remember, send and leave your email addresses so we can we can get you a tax deductible receipt for your taxes next year and guys if you guys like to check out our own personal website and the blog site my own personal one you can go to reformedpastor.me that's reformedpastor.me and guys we do have podcasts for apple Castbox, uh uh you were on uh, uh amazon podcasting and stuff like that made free church or reformed pastor right 
And uh, guys, I want to thank you guys for being here today. You know, I want to thank you guys that are going to be listening later. God bless you guys. And may the God richly bless your day. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for this time, Lord. We just, uh, we just lift you up in praise. Guide our hands and feet today as we go about work and stuff like that. We love you and we worship you and we praise you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Guys, you guys have a blessed day. We will see you. Well, I'm not going to be on Friday. So um, I might be. I'm not sure yet. But uh, I'm going to go take a little bit of... Uh, uh, I'm going to take off, go on like a little four-day vacation. So I might be here. So And I might not be here. So check out, you know, all the good stuff. Uh, just see if that we have something on there. But I'm thinking about just taking a break. And uh, so... If you don't hear from me on Friday, you're probably not going to hear from, probably not going to do church service on Sunday. Um, I'll see if that Pastor Chad or Pastor Dave can do it. Um, I don't think Pastor Dave can, but I'm going to ask Pastor Chad if he'll do it. But guys, God bless you. You guys have a great day. Um, and we love you and we're praying for you. God bless.